Welcome, welcome, people. This is the trophy room. It's Thursday morning. I haven't even eaten yet. It's early, but I had to get up and get the pod released. Before I get to the rest of my day, I haven't eaten. I'm literally just sitting here with a glass of chocolate milk. But wherever you are, you are in the trophy room. Merry Christmas, happy holidays, whatever you celebrate, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, whatever it is. I really hope you enjoyed your holidays, enjoyed some peace, especially after the year that we've all had. I am your fearless host, Brett Hammer, and I'm hyped for the loaded show we have today. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for the things we have to talk about. Okay, coming up, it is finally time. I am breaking down Spider-Man and why it was barely more than okay. Our New Year's 6 starts tomorrow, and I'm giving you picks also. What the heck does this NFL playoff picture look like? We're going to find out here in a second. We're also going to give a big rest in peace to John Madden. Um, But I do have to say this first. I love, love, love getting texts um, from you guys, from the people who listen. Because honestly, like if you listen to this, you are a friend. Like to me, you're one of my friends. Even if we're not that close, like if you go out of your way, to put this on, to try me out, to say, hey, I'll give you a shot to be a part of something I listen to, to be a a part of content that I consume, that means a lot to me. Because to me, this is me. This pod that I get to do, this is, it's been hard for me in a lot of ways to figure out what I wanna do and who I wanna be and I feel like we're in this world of social that social media has created where we live in a world of highlights and lowlights. And there's no midlights. Like, unless you really spend time with someone, you don't get to know who that person is. And this podcast is not 100% perfect. I have terrible days sometimes. I have days where I didn't do as much prep work as I possibly could. And I repeat myself and I sound like a broken record. And some of you still come back, and I appreciate that. This whole thing started with me reviewing The Last Dance on Facebook last year. If you ever watched those. It wasn't perfect. But also, if you know anything about staring at a camera and just talking or staring at a mic and just talking, it's hard. I wouldn't go as far to say that it's the same level of difficulty as acting, but it's the same realm because... To some extent, I I have to make sure that I believe everything that I'm saying, but I can't go as far as to ramble to a point where you don't believe the things coming out of my mouth and I sound like I don't care. And so that's where I started was those Facebook lives. And then it went to a pilot for a different podcast that we tried out last year with me and some of my roommates. And I just didn't know enough about podcasting at the time. The pandemic had just hit. I had no equipment. And now we're here because of a random shot I got with um, the Bench Sports Network, which I ended up really not liking and realized, oh, I didn't give them anything so I can take everything that I have, the name, the branding, whatever, it's mine now. And I actually have a better sponsor now than I did then. And now I have a better mic and we're working on starting another podcast coming up in a couple of weeks here with some of my really good friends, which I'm actually really excited about. It's going to be less focus, less, less sports focused and more lifestyle focused, more 
three bachelors and one married dude that are all amazing friends and we do stupid things and we look at the world in, in almost the same way that a sitcom would. But that's not what this is about. When I first bought this mic, I recorded a message to myself of what I could look back on and I've grown a ton and this is not close to the end. And I really do appreciate the listens and the texts and the support. I've always wanted to inspire, uplift, and entertain. Because when I was younger, I was bullied in school, moved around a lot, and I had trouble making friends like I'm sure a lot of you did. No matter how old you are, you probably know what I'm talking about. And ESPN and studio shows and live sports were safety for my soul when I didn't feel like I fit in anywhere else. And that's my goal, especially now more than ever. I know what negative self-talk looks like. I know what it looks like to bully myself. It's so easy to sit alone, especially up in bed, and tell myself that I'm fat, I'm overweight, or I'm ugly, and pick apart all my insecurities. And as a guy, you're not really supposed to talk about that. I understand how it feels. And hopefully, my goal is that for this hour, for this hour and a half, this two hours, however long I ramble, however long you'll stay with me, that this is a place you can escape those thoughts or whatever else plagues you. And if you do have those negative self-thoughts, which I'm sure you do, even if they're, I'm sure they're different than mine, but I'm sure you have them, I hope this is an escape. And I hope this gives you a little bit more reason to realize that you can love yourself. People ask how I am. It's like, it's the question I get asked most often. And more often than not, some part of my response is untrue. This is how I am. Most days I wonder what the purpose of going on really is. It's morbid, but it's true. I always felt like motivation and passion was my superpower. Like people, people were always enamored that I knew exactly what I wanted to do and that I was so excited about it. And losing my dad was like my kryptonite. It was so hard to even know what I want to chase. Because there are days I wake up and I don't want to chase this. I don't want to chase anything. I don't even want to get out of bed. So how am I? I struggle to get myself out of bed and find a reason to go every day. But, and this is why I'm bringing this up. When I get texts or bodes of confidence from people like you guys, when you don't have to give them to me, you could just listen and say, wow, this thing sucks and just roll right along. But when you give me a boat of confidence when you don't have to, that's my boost. And that means everything to me. And I, and I get a text probably a couple times a week or when I see you guys, when I see my friends in person or when I see you guys in person, you say, hey, really liked this or hey, that was so dumb or whatever. It lets me know that this is a dream worth chasing because it's a talent that while I may not be perfect at it, while I may not be eloquent yet. I'm growing, I'm changing, and I'm evolving. And honestly, if there's something about the show sucks, tell me. Lay into me. If I'm wrong, challenge me. I don't want to skate through this unscathed. I'm already scarred and torn. I'm beat up. I'm hurt. I don't want to... I, I have no fear of being hurt anymore. Somebody asked me what my biggest fear is the other day. I said, it's already happened. My fear now is not being the best I possibly can be. So thank you. Because this is my dream. <laughs> my mom, those little kids that I call my siblings, 
and this are all that get me out of bed in the morning. And when you guys give me compliments and criticism, it helps me know that I can still chase this and that I'm still doing what I one day said I was born on earth to do. And this is something my dad yearns for me to accomplish despite the crap that I'm dealing with. So before we hit anything else this morning, thank you and I love you. Okay, so big rest in peace. I don't know if you saw this. I didn't. So we got the news two days ago. John Madden passed away. Funny enough, maybe not funny. Maybe that's the wrong word. Ironically, John Madden's documentary produced by Fox came out on Christmas Day. It's called All Madden. And when they got news that he passed, they re-aired it that same night. They actually took a show. Uh, Colin Cowherd had filmed a special called Heard for the Holidays. And uh, I don't know if that was – I think that was the first day that it went live because I didn't see any other day. They filmed the special. And they aired that – they aired this documentary. They re-aired it the same day or that that same time slot nine o'clock two days ago and I believe they reared it last night and I think they might be re-airing it again today amazing stuff and to the point where ESPN plus has paid Fox to put it up so if you have ESPN plus you can go watch it there as well whenever you want uh, this is what I'll say because I'm not going to pretend that I grew up in the 70s and 80s and I remember watching John Madden as a coach. But think about how legendary that is. You have as as a proper noun you have overtaken a lot of other nouns. And and what I mean by that is Snoop Dogg made this really interesting point the other day and I can't remember if this was in the documentary or not, but I or not Snoop Dogg, sorry, Ice Cube. He said Kids don't say, I'm going to go play a football video game. Like, they don't play, they don't say, I'm going to go play a first-person shooter. I don't, I'm not going to go play video games. They say, I'm going to go play Madden. Like, your proper noun is synonymous with a billion-dollar video game franchise. And what's interesting to me is that the whole, so the, the, the documentary starts off, and this isn't going to be a documentary breakdown, but... The way they started this documentary off I thought was interesting. I would have thought it would have gone through his life and his coaching. And that really wasn't what it was about. It, it, he retired, his retirement comes up probably 15 minutes into this documentary. Because he wasn't happy. He wasn't himself. And this is from a man who had maybe the most successful decade of football coaching in the history of anyone. This is someone who is in the Hall of Fame, someone who everyone knows. The youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl. John Madden's legit. But it's interesting that John Madden originally loathed the idea of going into broadcasting. Didn't like it. Thought that they were essentially talking heads. That they were pretty TV boys who didn't know a whole lot. And he hated this idea that they were selling a product when to him, football was life. 
And if John Madden ever goes into broadcasting, I don't think the Madden football game ever comes out. It probably comes out in a different form. But the reason that John was able to do it was because he was the voice of it for so long. And if you're young, you maybe don't remember that. But John Madden was originally the commentator. It wasn't Phil Simms. It wasn't Charles Davis and Brandon Godden, who it is now. It was John Madden. And it's amazing because to me, my youngest memory of football is playing Madden 1999 with my dad. I was born in 98. So I don't know what year I remember, but it was probably 2001 or 2000. My dad and I would sit around. We had a PlayStation, which I don't get because my dad, I guess, I don't think was ever really into video games. But we sat down on the original PlayStation in our house in Utah. And I, and if you can see, I got a picture. Like, my wallpaper is me and my dad playing Madden. And I'm probably barely two because we're still living in Minnesota at the time. But my earliest memories are that video game with my dad. And... That video game has probably been the number one source of activity in my home between me and two of my brothers for our entire lives. Like, anytime we got a score to settle, we played Madden. And I never met John Madden. I didn't watch him coach, and I wasn't really old enough to ever really remember him broadcasting. But he was absolutely a legend. And I'm grateful that there's no slander, there's no cancel culture surrounding him because he doesn't deserve that. He's, I think, I hope, hopefully getting everything he deserves. And there's never a good time for anyone to leave. I wish my dad could have gone when he was older, yeah. But it's never like, oh yeah, it was a good time for him to go. People dying sucks. And so it's sad to see John Madden go, it really is. And I understand what death from this side feels like. So, I really hope John Madden rests in peace. I hope my dad says hi for me. But, I'm grateful for this franchise that he has created because, as silly as it sounds, like I've spent more, probably more time with my brothers and my dad doing that than anything else besides actual sports, besides watching sports. And so, I'm so grateful for John Stepping into an area of his life that he didn't think he was going to enjoy and trying to be challenged. And it was a challenge for him. It wasn't something he came in he was just perfect at. But he had the personality that he was real, he was open, he was a little bit different, and people loved him for his authenticity. And, and that's something I'll always admire because that's something I strive for every time I get on here to do this with you. I want to be authentic because people connect with that, people vibe with that. Authenticity is a credibility. It's a currency. And so I appreciate that. And I love his attitude, his his pop words, his onomatopoeia, his, his flair. He was a little bit different. He was a little loud. He was a little crazy. He was fun. And that has always been my goal because the best piece of advice I've ever received, write it down. This is it. If you're not having fun, you're doing something wrong. And I think John Madden is a perfect embodiment of that. Okay, so John Madden, rest in peace. Sad to see you go. Really are. But we're so grateful for everything you did for us. And you are one of the greats of all time as a human being, as an entertainer, as a football coach. And I don't know if anything better can be said. 
Okay, we're not going to take a lot of time in this, but I do feel the need to expound on it because if I like to give things as they are, not as things like them to be. If you listen to me, you know that. So what the heck is Omicron or Omicron? Okay. This is what I'll tell you. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it. I'm not going to pretend that I understand what a new variant means or why it's different. This is what I'll tell you. So far, the United States, and Omicron is technically COVID if you're not aware. And people are freaking out about it. And I believe this is the virus that is shutting down all of our sports leagues. And, and, and can we stop? Like, it is no longer breaking news that someone has COVID. That just means it's Tuesday or it's Wednesday. It's just another day of the week. Like, people get COVID. And don't make me sound like I'm being disingenuous or that I'm falsifying or that I'm not being sensitive. Do you want to know how many people Omicron has killed? Australia recorded the first death just three days ago. And the United States just a week ago recorded what they think was the first death of Omicron virus. Now, of all the leading causes of death, I think it's probably likely to say that they could have been killed by something else and they happen to have Omicron at the same time. I don't know. But I hate this narrative that we're running around saying that Omicron is swarming the nation and nobody's telling you that maybe it is, but it's really just a cold and most people don't even know that they have it. I'm also just now realizing I'm so grateful for notifications and, and don't worry, I'm not, I'm not interrupting because I'm so done with Omicron. I think the Jordan 1 patent breads come out today. Let's go look. You're like, oh my gosh, she's really stopping in the middle of the podcast to hop on sneakers and see what's dropping today. I am. Oh yeah. Okay. Jordan 1, Pat and Bread, dropping in 10 minutes. So I'm definitely going to be hopping on that because these are reselling for close to $500. And I'm usually not that guy. I usually keep, like I keep, I keep and wear the shoes that I buy. I just got a... You guys know I got the Jordan 11 Cool Gray 2021s the other day, and I also got the the Nike Dunk Low Gray Fogs, which I love. Like, maybe the most versatile shoe I own, and I'm packing today to fly back to Utah, and I'm realizing, holy cow, how am I going to get all my shoes back? Because I've acquired – I'm not even going to give you a number – but it's more than I'd like. I got to get the Jordan one neutral grays back home. I got to get the Travis Scott ones back. I got to get, yeah, got to get my fours back, my threes back. It's a mess, but I love shoes. And that's my, uh, it's my love language. My, my uncle, when he bought me shoes for Christmas, he's like, me and your brother realize the shoes are your love language. So that's what we, that's what we all pitched in and got for you for Christmas, which I absolutely love. So Andy, if you're listening Thank you so much for the dunks. Grandma, thanks for the dunks. Heather, thanks for the dunks. They were absolutely amazing. Loved them. But yeah, I'm definitely hop on in 10 minutes again, the pad bread. By the time you're listening to this, these probably already dropped. You probably already know whether or not you got your L, but prayers up to you. I really hope that you got them. Me, Future me is telling you, if you got them, congratulations. If not, keep your head up, champ. Okay. 
Omicron's done. John Madden's done. My PSA to the world and how grateful I am for all of you is done. Now, the time has come. Don't worry. We will get to Alabama, Cincinnati. We will get to Will Anderson saying that Alabama has been slept on. We will get to these cornerbacks saying they are going to dominate Bama. We will, we will get to Georgia, Michigan. Do not worry. But I think some of you might argue that the Spider-Man movie may have been bigger than what we're about to see tomorrow. So I'm gonna give you, I'm gonna give it the movie its props, but I'm also gonna tear it down because I don't believe it deserves to be held so highly, and this is why. Oh, also, by the way, in case somehow the logic piece of your brain missed this part, spoiler alert, um, I don't know what to tell you. If you haven't seen the movie by now, if you haven't seen the movie by now, you're probably not that excited about seeing it, which means you're probably not going to be offended if you hear a spoiler. But I am going to spoil it because if you've seen it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And honestly, the, and, and this is where part of my issue lies. <laughs> Part of the reason I didn't love this movie, and I get that it's hard to keep secrets, but tell me one thing that happened in that movie that we didn't know. We knew someone was going to die, so it was either May or Happy, and the trailer led us to believe it has Happy, and it wasn't. Okay? I would, I would compare, and actually... Before I tear it down, I will give that props. I did enjoy that part of the movie where, because to this point, Spider-Man hadn't really lost anything. We didn't ever really know what happened to the parents, and there was never an Uncle Ben for him to lose. That's not how the Spider-Man story rolled. So, it was, I think, you could compare it to the Han Solo death in Star Wars, or uh, the Gwen Stacy death in or not Gwen whoever Emma Stone played in the second in the amazing spider-man can't remember I'm really sorry anyway I did really I don't know appreciate but but it's always been one of my hates my drawbacks to Outer Banks which is a show that I love but they have an inability to kill characters or to have a real lasting change happen to these characters where and and TV shows are different than movies I get that but it shows that you're willing to take risks and that reality can kick in. Real things can happen when you kill Aunt May in the form that she does. Now, you know what? I won't go there. I'll, I'll, I'll give the movie more props. I actually did a little bit of research that I think you'll find interesting. So, um, I want to give 100% credit. Because I don't, th there had to be, you know, it, this was some idea from an intern, like somebody whose opinion matters absolutely zero. And it was said as a joke and you know, they were sitting around in a room pitching, pitching ideas. And the guy who comes in to get them coffee every morning, he goes, Hey, wouldn't it be sick if we just like put all the Spider-Man in the same movie, like that meme where they're all pointing their web blasters at each other. And you know his boss was like, you're a moron. Get out of here. You barely work here. And then somebody caught hold of it and said, wait, what if, how would we actually do that? 
So, I went and did the research. And if I can find the actual... If I can find the actual story, which I just did. So, I know we just started hearing this. We just started hearing about this idea of a multiverse and bringing back other Spider-Man... Spider-Men as well as Spider-Man villains. We started hearing about this probably three, four months ago. But according to the writers, this was when they... When they originally started writing, okay, what would a third Spider-Man movie look like? They had some ideas, but the multiverse was what they really wanted to attack. The issue is... And it's it's almost similar to this chicken-the-egg concept. But when, when, when we think about it, we wonder, okay, well, what came first? Did Andrew and Toby come first? Or... How did all that come to be about? Well, you have to write an entire movie and hope whoever is in it wants to be themselves. Like, who, And so that was part of the challenge for these writers was they said, okay, we want to do this. They had to write the whole movie and then hope and pray that Andrew and Toby, Defoe and all these other – and Jamie Foxx all wanted to come back. So they said we, are, we already had a scene written for Doctor Strange's Basement where there's all these villains. They said the question was going to be who was going to be there. And that I think we got figured out. I don't think we there was any villains that were like, oh no, we didn't get that. We got everybody we wanted as far as villains. But the hard part is you have to A, write this, B, keep it a secret, and then hope you can get all of these guys to agree to be in it. And I'm just now realizing... Man, that's a bummer. I just realized there was a video playing on my laptop. So I hope that's not been picking up on your audio feed for this whole time. But if it is, I'm sorry. Um, so they eventually did get Andrew and Toby. They have to get them the script super secretly. They secretly signed them on to this project. So that's been going on since I think December of 2019 was when the scripts were given to Toby and Andrew. Then, and this is where I think they they also deserve a lot of respect. They they let a lot of these guys because and I was reading from the writers, they said we can write it, but it's the people who have to sell it that have to sign on because they have to sell you the lie that they are who they're playing. And so they read the scripts and Defoe, Doc Ock, Toby, Andrew all went in and gave thoughts and ideas on who they wanted this character to be, what they wanted the character to say. And obviously it made for an incredible film. The other piece of advice I think you'll find interesting is a lot of this so there's the scene on the rooftop after Aunt May dies where they can't find Toby or not far. They can't find Tom Holland and they find him and they have this really cool brother like conversation where you have the adult brother, you have the middle lonely goth child. And then you have Tom Holland who's like the baby who everybody loves, super cute, super pretty. 
but he doesn't know how to deal with the real world yet. Come to find out, reading this, doing research, a lot of that scene was improv And it's set up for the perfect laying in of the Uncle Ben quote, with great power comes great responsibility, which, again, made the whole thing. Now, this is where my gripes come in. I've given the movie respect. This is where my gripes come in, and I say it was just okay. I don't want to be that guy. But Aunt May caused her own death. Let's start it there. Before I say she deserved to die, let's just start it off and say she caused her own death. Which is part of my issue with this movie. I feel like this movie... So, what the writer said that they felt the third part of the movie, the third third, the last third of the movie, was the best part. Which I would agree with. Which we probably would all agree with. And I do love the way they brought in Toby and Andrew. Where they opened the ring sling, opens the portal, and we say, oh, okay, there's Tom. And the more you look at it, you're like, why doesn't Tom recognize them? And it was very subtle. It was slow, and they allowed you to realize it on your own. They didn't say, hey, that's Toby. I loved that. I really, really enjoyed it. So now... Sorry, guys, I just have to put in to get these uh, Jordan 1s, even though I'm probably not going to get them. Okay, processing. Dude, Apple Pay is the bomb. I sincerely apologize. Why? Why is this taking so long to pay? I don't know. Okay, I'm still going to be periodically checking to make sure I get these shoes, but whatever. Yes, obviously the third third was the best. I felt like this movie was 100% dependent on the characters who were in it and not the quality of the story, which I don't like. And I'm so frustrated that this payment is not going through and I'm not understanding it. You know what I'm talking about, though. I, this is the, sorry before before I go off on my rant. Well, I didn't realize I had this many things to say that I liked about it. I did enjoy. What was it that I enjoyed? I don't even know. Oh, I feel like a lot of times we watch these movies and they give us a hundred percent of the movie in the trailer. Like you've already seen pretty much every scene aspect of the movie, but just by watching the trailer, yeah. And that was not the case with this one. We watched the movie and we thought, wow, we didn't see any of this in the trailer. And obviously because Andrew and Toby aren't in it. This is distracting me way too much. I got to put this down. And maybe just understand that maybe I'm not going to be able to get these. This is so dumb. Is anybody else having this issue? Is sneakers just not working for me today? I really, really apologize. But I like, there's a lot of money that can be made on these shoes. I got to try and get in. I don't know what's going on. People, what is going on with these? I might even have to cut this out. I am really sorry. I don't know what is happening. I don't know if it's my phone or what the deal is. 
and now I have lost audio on my headset. People, my life is just a great A mess right now as we're trying to record this. Okay, hopefully I'm back. Okay, well, I was finally able to join the draw. Now I can focus. Dude, it is so hard to talk and try and multitask at the same time. Like I, even when I have to pull my research, it's really hard. Okay. Where was I? Again. Did like the fact that we didn't see the entire movie in the trailer. Loved that. This is what I didn't like. Basically, what we saw in the trailer had nothing to do with the rest of the movie. We didn't really know what the plot was. Which I'm okay with. But the plot of the movie itself is where I start taking issue. And I also take issue with the end of this movie. Okay, so Doctor Strange is in pretty much the whole trailer and he's in the movie for 15 minutes. Not a fan of that because I, because I love the chemistry that they have together between Benedict Cumberbatch and Tom Holland and their characters are amazing together. Um, and they almost gave you this feel that we were getting a variant of some kind of Dr. Strange, which still could have happened. I don't know. But I, this is where I start to take issue. Aunt, and, and this is why I say Aunt May caused her own death. Aunt May really did. Because what if we take this narrative to every other Superhero film? Like, what if we just say, no, Superman, stop. Uh, what's the name of the... Jarrell? Zorg? What's the name of the bad guy in Superman? I can't remember. But what if we just said, no, Superman, don't kill him. Don't kill Doomsday. He's just having a mental health issue. And if you can get him some therapy, he'll stop destroying the world. Because if that's where we're going, and this is my issue now. Okay, so then that's that's Spider-Man's thing now, right? Like he doesn't arrest bad guys. He doesn't take them down. He doesn't defeat them by any means necessary. He just says... Oh, if I just help you with your mental health, then you'll stop being bad. And I'm not belittling mental health. But I am saying we are completely belittling this idea of superheroes defeating bad guys. It's almost, it is a form of Hollywood censorship. And that was my biggest gripe with this movie was it was so Hollywood agenda focused and they slid it in. They deceived all of us by sliding that in under Oh my gosh, look over there. It's Toby and Andrew and William Defoe and Jamie Foxx and all these other guys. And we're just going to slide in this pathetic story about how we can just cure all of them, their mental health, and then they'll stop being bad. I don't think that's how it works. Okay. And my other issue is now I have so many questions because we wiped Spider-Man from everyone's memory, correct? So the whole plot of Multiverse of Madness was 
Nobody remembers any event in which Spider-Man existed. But the whole purpose of Multiverse of Madness is that the wizards or whatever, why don't I remember the sorcerers, they do, they are all upset with Doctor Strange for casting the spell. But how can they remember if Spider-Man doesn't exist to anyone? If Peter Parker doesn't exist to anyone? I, there's just a lot of plot holes to this. And the reason that this movie survives is because of all these extra characters that you brought in. That's the reason it was so big. Not because the movie was that good or the plot was that good or the film. And that was what I really enjoyed. Like, Spider-Man has never had to be massive. He's always been able to be a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man and we appreciated the films. But now you made this an Avenger level movie on a Spider-Man level. Where do you go forward from this? Because you already did Endgame, you already did Infinity War, and you've done a bunch of these TV shows that are completely lackluster that you tell us you're going to reveal something at the end and you never do. And you've opened this other issue where if you saw the end credit scene, you know that Tom Holland at the end, or not Tom Holland, Tom Hardy, Venom, at the end of Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which comes out before Spider-Man, at the end of that, he's transferred to another universe. And I still don't think we know how he gets there. Oh, it's because he knows Peter Parker and Spider-Man. Right. But then, at the end, he gets transferred back to that universe. So, A, that's pointless. B, we also know that in, we know that Morbius is supposedly a Spider-Man connect. We know that one of the villains, Michael Keaton's uh, Vulture from Spider-Man Homecoming is in that film but we know that that's not spider-man's universe so now you're creating new multiple universes you've done this thing with the eternals where you have people that are so massive they could wipe out planets with a blink of an eye you're the scale on which you're playing you're playing god with multiple realities and there's no longer any sense of actual reality for us to hold on to where we can be like, okay, this is what's going on. Because you can now introduce people who can wipe out planets or who could have killed Thanos with a blink of an eye. Might add, in a movie that sucked. And now you're giving all of these villains their own solo movies. And you're making all of these TV shows. And I think you're milking the cow way too hard. You're you're killing the golden goose to get the eggs. And I just wonder how far until Marvel's reality breaks. And our reality breaks. And we stop saying, okay, I like this. Because we said this was going to be the biggest thing since Infinity War and Endgame. And I think hype it was. But I don't think quality it was. And so I don't know. I don't know, but I wasn't a huge fan. I wouldn't go back to see it again. Okay, so also, I guess there's some playoff games happening tomorrow, yeah? So we have to look out and say, okay, what's going on? Who's winning? Also, can someone tell me how Oregon ended up in the Alamo Bowl last night? Oregon's a bad football team, y'all. And I told you that Bonix wasn't going to fix their problem. I don't think Bonix really fits. I've never really felt that way. Uh, 
Wow, Apple TV just up. Man, it's just a mess today. Apple TV just opened on my computer. It wouldn't let me close it. And also, Anthony Brown's a way underrated quarterback. If you watched that game last night, you know what I'm talking about. He's a good, good ball player. He's in the wrong offense. They're way too heavily reliant on the run because they don't recruit anyone to pass the ball to. So, speaking of college football, we have two huge playoff games in our New Year's Six Bowl start. And I'm not going to go through every single one. I'm just going to give you Cincinnati, Alabama, Georgia, Michigan. And let's go with Alabama, Cincinnati first. Will Anderson saying, sorry about that. Will Anderson is saying, oh, we're slept on. People don't respect us. People don't give us the benefit that we should have. I don't know that I agree with that. What I do think is, Nick Saban understands how to create the scariest version of this team possible. Treat them like underdogs. Treat them like they're scraps. Make everyone think that they hold them to this lower standard. Rat poison. Rat poison is subjective. Because in life you can find lots of people who will champion you. And you always, if you get on Twitter, you will always find people to tear you down. 100% of the time. So, let's not act like everyone's sleeping on Alabama. First of all, you're a 14-point favorite. Second of all, everyone knows that Alabama has won in the they've won they're five for one in playoff semifinal games, and the the one loss came in 2014, which was like eight years ago, to. Uh, seven years ago to Ohio State when Ohio State won the championship with that God squad with Michael Thomas, Ezekiel Elliott, and the boys. And since then, their average margin of victory in a playoff game, average margin of victory is 20 points. They're winning every playoff game by plus or minus 20 points, sometimes more. In a playoff game, when supposedly you're supposed to be playing one of the four best teams in college football and you wipe the floor with them. And I would argue a lot of those, and all those teams have been power five so far. And now you have, you're a 14 point favorite. You're minus 13 and a half to beat Cincinnati. Also, you're playing in Texas. You're playing in the South. I also don't think Nick Saban has, Nick Saban has never lost a game playing at Jerry World, playing at the Cowboys Stadium, which was where they're playing tomorrow. Here's my other issue. While I I just don't believe I if you know you listen to this, you know I've never believed in Cincinnati. And maybe that's just because I'm upset they thought they could beat us last year, and they didn't. I understand the game was close, but they didn't beat us. They didn't beat Georgia. And I'm not a fan of this narrative that we're giving to Cincinnati that because they're undefeated and they beat a good Houston team, a decent Houston team, 
that now we think they're capable of beating Alabama. Oh, my word. Wow, my best friend just got a pair of the uh, the Jordan 1 low OGs, and I'm pretty sure I did not. Or not the Jordan 1 low OGs, the uh, patent breads. And he also got the Amam and Yers the other day. Oh my gosh, sneakers just messing me up today. And he also got the Cool Gray 11. Oh my gosh. Anyway... I don't believe in Cincinnati. Yes, I think the corners are pretty good, but that doesn't change the fact that you struggled with terrible football teams. Alabama is not a terrible football team. Alabama also probably has the most difficult quarterback to sack in all of college football. I don't think I've ever seen a quarterback as hard to bring down as Bryce Young in like Lamar Jackson was tough, yeah, but Bryce Young's deal is that he differs from guys. I would compare him to Johnny Manziel, but I would say he's different in Johnny Manziel and Lamar Jackson in the way that his head. It's almost like one of those action figures you had as a kid where you could just turn their neck all the way around. Like, no matter which way their body was facing, the eyes were dead. The head was wherever you wanted it to be. Bryce Young is so, so dangerous. And I don't care how long... These cornerbacks for Cincinnati think they can hold Jamison Williams, which I promise you is not that long because everyone is saying, oh, well, uh, George's secondary wasn't that good. I think Keely Ringo is like the number two cornerback in his class. I don't think is that George's secondary was bad. I think Georgia's or Alabama's pass game is that good, and I think it doesn't matter how good your receivers are. When you have that much time to throw the football, your secondary is tired, especially after an entire game of playing catch-up. I think, yes, Cincinnati is going to have a chip on their shoulder. But if you think that, out, that Nick Saban is going to be embarrassed, embarrassed, because if he even loses by one point, to Cincinnati in this playoff game. That is an embarrassment. An embarrassment. Cincinnati should not even be in the game with them. If you talk to Nick Saban, he'll tell you that. Not publicly, but privately, absolutely. So... There's no way that they're losing this game. In fact, I think they might go off. They might win by 20, 30 plus. Because if they can do what they did to Georgia, they can do what they're going to do to Cincinnati. And I don't believe Cincinnati is good enough. Also, I'm pretty sure Will Anderson still plays football. Will Anderson is going to destroy Desmond Ritter. Now, if, if Cincinnati somehow wants to win this game... Desmond Ritter has to be big. 
like he's got to rush, I think, for at least 80 yards because he's got to keep the defense on the toes. He's got to keep them switching. Alabama looked pretty good last or three weeks ago at holding down the number one pass rush in football. Like they the 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 Georgia pass rush wasn't even moving those linemen. They were standing both feet back, parallel, just holding blocks. And these guys were swimming, they were spinning, and they couldn't go anywhere. And your pass rush isn't better than Georgia. So I'm not sure how you're planning on beating Alabama, but I don't see it happening. Okay, next question, Georgia, Michigan. I think the first question we have to ask if we want to look at this is I think, like, is Stetson Bennett the guy? I really don't think so. If you want to, this is where I'll start. If you want to be Bama, you have to, if you want to beat Bama, you got to be Bama. And so you, you're going to hear me compare a lot to Alabama, but that's because if you want to be the best, you got to beat the best. And look, Stetson Bennett's a nice, cute story. It's really cool. It's really impressive, honestly. I won't disrespect him. It is amazing that he went from being a junior college quarterback to starting for the number one team in the country for a lot this season and now to this team. But I will tell you what. Stetson Bennett will never start a down for Nick Saban in Alabama. Rudy never would have played for Nick Saban at Alabama. Because while, yes, the heart is there, we're not putting a national championship for the biggest brand of football in the hands of a guy who's just good. I think George's issue was this. And I know Stetson only threw with eight picks this year, but he should have thrown more, and if you watch Georgia, you know that. He should have had three interceptions, maybe four against Florida. I like Stetson. I'm a f- I am I think it's really cool what he's doing. But it's not a national championship quarterback. And I'll be happy to be proven wrong. But you are going up against the best pass rush that isn't Georgia or Alabama. Aiden Hutchins legit. Ojabo is legit. I don't know about the rest of the Michigan defense. They've struggled with... Um, other football teams this year that they should have wiped cleanly if they're going to be the number two team in the country. I'm not a believer in Stetson Bennett. Because if you're going to be that small, you have to be elite. You have to be Russell Wilson. You have to be Drew Brees. You have to be a la Bryce Young. And he's not. And the reason you're seeing... What you're seeing where he has to be defended so harshly is because he's never been able to win a big game. Again, that's great if you want to go play quarterback at Georgia Tech or Virginia Tech or Nebraska. Like one of these big time programs who's just not out for national championships this year. Awesome. But you're not. 
if you can't beat Alabama in an SEC championship, I have a really hard time believing you're beating them in a national championship. Now, did Setson Bennett lose that game on his own? Absolutely not. But I'll tell you what. There are a lot of games that Alabama lost this year that Bryce Young won for them. And that's when you are a national championship quarterback. And I'm not even saying JT Daniels is the answer. But I might be saying Kirby Smart, this is going to look really bad if what happens is you go ahead and get Justin Fields and then he transfers and wins a Heisman and looks amazing. And then you have all this other time to recruit national championship level quarterbacks and you don't. Guys like Brock Vandegrift, four-star quarterback, third string, fourth string on the depth chart to Carson Beck, who's I don't think is that talented either. And now you have this kid, Brock, uh, what's the kid's name coming in? Can't even remember. Why can't I remember? Really good quarterback coming in this next year. I'm having a brain fart. But if Kirby doesn't win this year and he starts Stetson, I'm not saying he's going to be run out of Georgia, but I am going to say you're going to have a lot of people looking saying, what are you doing? Nick Saban figured it out. He figured out that if they stop the pass, if they stop the run, we have to have something else to go on. This are the reason, and, and I would argue that Jim Harbaugh has a little bit of this too, and it's working this year. The reason running the football is the optimal choice for winning football games is because it's least likely for turnover, and it's the least complicated. There's a lot less moving variables. You don't have to put the ball in the air as much. You don't have to worry about a guy catching the ball. It's strictly about moving the football up and down, north and south. And if you can do it, you're dominant. Because the other team knows exactly what you're doing and they can't stop it. There's a sense of pride that comes from that. But Nick Saban realized this. Even if we have Derrick Henry, they're going to load the box and these boys are getting bigger. And we can't just run power every single time. We have to get guys like Najee Harris who can get to the outside and catch the football. We have to get quarterbacks who have decent receivers to throw to so, they, so that other kids want to come to school here. And I think that's George's issue is... You're not getting elite of the elite. Look, the way the game is moving is not pocket passer. JT Daniels is not the future of football. Stetson Bennett's not the future of football. Even Trevor Lawrence, who we would all argue is an elite pocket passer, had an 80-yard run against Ohio State. You got to have athletes. And if they're not going to be athletes, they got to be elite passers, and these guys are not elite passers. Here's what I'll say. Fortunately for Georgia... Michigan doesn't possess that issue. Cade McNamara. This is the one thing that I'll say I'll give to Georgia because I'm not even 100% confident Georgia's winning this game. But this is what I'll say for Georgia. Georgia obviously has the number one defense in the country still. Points, points and yards and all that fun stuff. Still giving up less than 10 points a game, which no one else is doing. Anytime Michigan asks Cade McNamara to throw the football, they struggle. The higher his attempts are, the closer margin of points. When they beat North uh, Northern Illinois, they won 63-10. to 
Cade McNamara threw the ball 11 times. When they beat Washington, 31-10, he threw the ball 15 times. When they beat Western Michigan, threw the ball 11 times. When they barely beat Nebraska by three points, he threw the ball 38 times. When they lost to Michigan State, threw the ball 44 times. And then, what do you know? Played Indiana, threw the ball 18 times, 29-7. Penn State, ooh, that's a close game. Throws the ball 30 times. The only game where he's been able to throw the ball a lot, where they've been able to do what they wanted on both sides, running and passing, was Maryland. And that's because Maryland's a joke. They won 59-18. Cade McNamara threw the ball for 28 times. And then Ohio State throws 13 for 19 for 159 yards. And they win. Even against Iowa, throws the ball 24 times. Only has 16 completions for 169 yards. What I'm saying to you is the only way you beat Georgia is if you find a way to pass the ball downfield. And trick plays are nice and cute when you haven't seen them all season. They've run one about every game they've played. So I don't think you have a bag of trickery that you can dive into to go against Georgia. Hassan Haskins and Blake Corum are going to be really, really dangerous against Georgia. But Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis are both first-round draft picks at D-line. And the linebackers love to hit. So I don't see a way in which Michigan just gets to run however they want. If Michigan's going to win this game... They, they basically have to become a passing football team. That's how Alabama did it. Alabama essentially didn't run the football at all. And it worked out pretty well. You're not Alabama. Not even kind of. So, I'm telling you right now, the trend tells you when Cade McNamara throws the ball more than 20 times, they do not play well. Or at least they don't play close. So you can say what you want. But if Alabama wants, or if Michigan wants it, because to me, defense is, always wins championships. So to me, this is Michigan has to win this game because I think Georgia can hold defensively for a long time. I don't think Michigan can hold as long as defense can. It's going to be a defensive game of chicken. Who's going to break first? I think Michigan will. This is Michigan's game to win. It's also their game to lose. I think Georgia can do basically whatever they want with it. That being said, this is going to be a close game. It's going to be a defensive football game. And it's going to be tight. I think I don't think other team breaks 20. And if they break 20, nobody's breaking more than 26 points. I would take the under. Whatever. I don't know what the under is, but if you're betting, I'd take the under on this game. Because I don't think a lot of points are getting scored. So I'm picking, I'm picking Michigan to win this game. I know you're shocked, but I am. And it's a little bit selfishly because the way I see it is if Georgia loses, then at least I'm right. But if I'm wrong, that means Georgia won and I get to be happy. In the other game, I'm obviously picking Alabama big. It's not even close. So, 
And here's the other thing. If you're a Georgia fan, you have to root for Alabama. Because I was having this conversation yesterday. If Georgia goes on to beat Alabama, or if Georgia goes on, beats Michigan, and Cincinnati wins, and we beat Cincinnati in a national championship, I almost don't even count that. I do. It's a national championship. I understand. Smell the roses. Like, take it for what it's worth. But don't you want Bama? Isn't that all you want? And to me, if Bama beats you and then you don't beat them to win, I don't know what that says. It doesn't feel as good for sure because it's revenge season, absolutely. So say what you want, but I'm picking Alabama to beat Cincinnati. I'm picking I'm picking Alabama to win the national championship. That's how it's going. Because I just don't think Stetson's the guy. I think hopefully Kirby Laird does less and I hope he goes out and changes it a little bit so that you open to better receivers wanting to come play football here. You change to a little bit heavier pass and you get better quarterbacks to come play football at Georgia. That's where I'm hoping this thing goes. Okay, all that being said, I'm going to break down the NFL playoff picture for you. I'm going to let you know where we're at. I'm going to let you know who's clinched. So... As far as the National Football League goes, my team is Washington, the Washington football team, because I lived in D.C. for eight years. And they're terrible. I don't know what we have to do. Same deal. Can't get a quarterback. Love Taylor Heineke, not the guy. So, by adoption... My cousins are all from Indiana. They are the most diehard Colts fans in the entire country. Put a dollar on it. Or, sorry, put every dollar on it. So, by adoption, I'm a Colts fan. So, right now, Colts are 9-6. and six. They're second in the AFC South. They're probably going to have a hard time beating... Uh, it, it, the Titans are going to have to lose their next two, and the Colts are going to have to win their next two. So, if the tight, if the Colts want to get in, they basically have to get in as a wild card. So, here's what's happening in the AFC. AFC, only person to clinch is the Chiefs. Then, second, probably going to make it, is the Titans, because they're probably going to win their division, the AFC South. Then, Cincinnati is third in the hunt. Probably going to win their division because they're first in the AFC North, and it seems like nobody wants to win that division. Then, fourth, we have the Bills, who are first in the AFC East, and since they railed the Patriots, they now own the tiebreaker. And so long as they don't lose to the the next two games, and so long as the Patriots don't win their next two games, then it's honestly not looking like they will, Bills are probably going to hold their division champ. Then we have the Colts, who are 9-6 and and second in their division. So they have to compete to win uh, to win a wild card spot. This is the thing, though. It's pretty tight because Colts are 9-6. and six. Chargers are 8-7. Raiders are 8-7. Ravens are 8-7. So you have three 8-7 teams that all want this wild card spot. But if it were to end today... It would go Chiefs 1, Titans 2, Bengals 3, Bills 4, Colts 5, Patriots 6, Miami Dolphins 7. 
Then in the NFC, we have this is who's clinched. There's a lot of people who's clinched. In fact, there's only two playoff berths left in the NFC. So in the NFC, opposite side of the bracket, we have Packers 1 who have clinched. Cowboys 2 have clinched their division. Rams 3 clinched playoffs. Not necessarily division, but they've clinched playoffs. Buccaneers have clinched their division. And Arizona's clinched playoffs. So, 1 Packers, 2 Cowboys, 3 Rams, 4 Bucks, 5 at Cardinals. Now, here's where the hunt gets interesting. There's not really... So, you have 49ers 6 if it were to end today. And Eagles 7. Then you have Vikings, Falcons, Saints, and Washington. Are we really a firm believer in anyone outside of Minnesota? And Minnesota just seems like it depends on what day they they, they want to have. Because they have the weapons for sure. I think Kirk Evans is average enough to get by with Adam Thielen, Justin Jefferson, and Dalvin Cook. And the defense any given Sunday. And that's the thing I think people don't understand is it's so much harder to pick the NFL than it is to pick college football. Pick college football to some extent I think is easy compared to the NFL because this principle of any given Sunday is so true where these guys are so elite and everybody's a grown man. Everybody has first round picks. It's not like the SEC or it's college football where Georgia on its own team has more five stars than the entire Pac-12 combined. Like, can you imagine that if the Bills had more first-round picks than the entire AFC South combined? Just wouldn't happen. I'm thinking the Eagles. I, I just don't see any way the Falcons, Saints, or Washington moving up to take a playoff spot. Right now, I think... I think 49ers are getting in. They play the Texans next week. So I think Vikings get the seventh spot if the Eagles choose to lose it. Which, I'm again, I'm unsure about because Jalen Hurts, I'd say he's an above-average quarterback. He's not elite. He's not amazing. He's not really good. He's above average. He's good. But we have no idea what the Eagles' run game wants to look like from day to day. And then if you're on the other side, back in the AFC, because I think the NFC is pretty easy, I think the Chargers are coming for a playoff spot. Miami has won their last seven games, which is amazing. And this is going to be a tight race. I hope the Chargers get in because I would love to watch Justin Herbert in the playoffs. I could honestly see the Dolphins have the Titans coming up. I could see the Titans rolling Miami in that game. So we'll see how it goes. But that's your NFL playoff picture. As far, so as far as clinched playoff spots, you have Chiefs in the AFC, only AFC clinched. And then NFC, Packers clinched, Cowboys clinched, Rams clinched, Bucks clinched, Cardinals clinched. With the hunt really just coming down to Vikings, Eagles, 49ers. Thank you so much for hanging out with me this morning. I know this wasn't the longest one we've ever done. I know it was me by myself, and sometimes though can get a little sketchy. And I was really distracted with the Jordan 1 uh, patent breads that came out today. But everything worked. We made it through. Um, probably going to have more contributors coming up. I really want to get more people in on this because I hate just sitting here doing this by myself. 
so I can get more guys helping me out. That would be a lot of fun. And I'm going to be moving back to Utah. So I'm hopefully I'm getting a mic stand, which I'm super excited about. So I don't have to sit with it on my desk. I can hang it. Super excited. Again, thank you guys so much for deciding to make me a part of your a part of your content consumption it really does mean a lot if i suck at something or i'm great at something please let me know the text the comments the reviews they mean everything have fun happy celebrating happy or have fun celebrating new year's happy new year's enjoy your new year's six bowls or however you want to spend your uh new year's thank you love you cheers